please be seated and we'll be attentive to the reading of God's holy word. Good morning. The first reading is from Isaiah chapter 64, verses 1 through 9. This lament comes from a people who have had their hopes shattered. The vision of a rebuilt Jerusalem and a renewed people of God, spoken of in Isaiah 40 through 55, has not been realized. Instead, the people experience ruin, conflict, and famine. This lament calls God to account to be the God who has brought deliverance in the past. A reading from Isaiah. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down, so that the mountains would quake at your presence, as when the fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries so that the nations might tremble at your presence. When you did awesome deeds that we did not expect, you came down, the mountains quaked at your presence. From ages past, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God beside you who works for those who wait for him. You meet those who gladly do right, those who remember you and your ways, but you were angry and we sinned because you hid yourself for we transgressed. We have all become like one who is unclean and all our righteous deeds are like a filthy cloth. We all fade like a leaf and our inequities like the wind take us away. There is no one who calls on your name or attempts to take hold of you. You have hidden your face from us and it have delivered us unto the hand of our inequity. Yet, O oh Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you are the pot, our potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be exceedingly angry, O oh Lord, and do not remember in inequity forever. Now consider we are all your people. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Psalm 80 verses 1 through 7 and 17 through 19. The psalm for the day is read responsively. Hear, O shepherd of Israel, leading Joseph like a flock, shine forth, you that are enthroned upon the cherubim, in the presence of Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh, stir up your strength and come to help us. Restore us, O God. Let your face shine upon us, and we shall be saved. O Lord God of hosts, how long will your anger fume when your people pray? You have fed them with the bread of tears. You have given them bowls of tears to drink. You have made us the derision of our neighbors, and our enemies laugh us to scorn. Restore us, O God of hosts. Let your face shine upon us, and we shall be saved. Let your hand be upon the one who at your right hand, and when you are made so strong. And so will we never turn away from you. Give us life that we may carry upon your name. Sorry, host. The second reading is from 1 Corinthians 
chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. As the Christians in Corinth await the advent of Jesus, Paul reminds them how the Lord has already enriched them through spiritual gifts and will continue to strengthen them until the coming day of the Lord. A reading from 1 Corinthians. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace God has given, been given you in Christ. For in every way you have been enriched in him, in speech and knowledge of every kind. Just as the testimony of Christ has been strengthened among you, so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will, be, he will also strengthen you to the end, so that you may be blameless on the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. By him you were called upon into the fellowship of the, his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Gospel according to Mark, the 13th chapter. Glory to you, O Christ. Jesus said, In those days, after that suffering, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in heaven will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as the branch becomes tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see these things taking place, you will know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows. Neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Beware, keep alert, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his slaves in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to be on watch. Therefore, keep awake, for you do not know when the master of your house will come, in the evening, in the, at midnight, at cockcrow, or at dawn, or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly. And I say to you, keep awake, the gospel of the Lord. Please do be seated. <clears throat> Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. Again, it's a pleasure to be with you during my absolute favorite season, Advent. This is my Advent suit. It's blue. And uh, in the old, older days, I used to wear a purple one because that's the colors that my congregation used. I love, love, love Advent, and I invite you to come up and look at the Chrismon tree, which is really 
a proclamation of the whole story. Did someone in the congregation make the ornaments? Stunning, beautiful needlework. But get on up there and see how that is all done. When I was a little girl at St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Waukegan, they got a brand new Christmas tree. This was like 61, and I fell in love with it. I had to have one. So when I had my own home, I started doing Christmas. Now, not the pretty needlework ones, <coughs> but I would see something each year, saw butterflies, and so I would buy 12 butterflies white with gold on them, and they went on my advent tree, and the tree had to get bigger and bigger, so I had a 15-foot tree that scraped the, the very top of my uh, family room, and each year I put more and more and more on and tell the whole story. I invite you to my home, which means I have to put everything up, but it's, I love to have people come into my home, and I tell them the whole story of Jesus on, on the top, I have a crown, a big crown on top. It's my favorite thing to put up, and really, if I could put it up all year, I would. But I invite you to come up and look at the, the beautiful needlework, but look at the symbols, and after worship, if you want to know what some of those symbols mean, I'm happy, happy to tell you. So here we are in Advent, and we want to know from the Gospel, when, when, Lord, open the heavens, rip them up, and come on down. A very old plea, old plea for the people of God. And we know that Jesus will come again. And each week we say that in, in the creeds. He will come again to judge. And I remember in 1961 we said, the quick and the dead. Anybody remember that? The quick and the dead. And of course now the English has been updated to the living and the dead. We say it every single week. And that is our hope, that Jesus will come. And uh, that judgment, we leave it up into God's hands and we lean on mercy and grace. Now, in our current situation, um, how many of you have been a little bit afraid in the past four years that the time may be upon us. Do you remember the very earliest parts of COVID when you could see those pictures from Italy and Iran and we just did not know what this was all about. We had no idea what the ramifications were going to be and sometimes people say we overreacted, we underreacted. We didn't know what it was. And so we learn what it is and we deal with it. We just deal with it. <clears throat> I'm now on my third year of long COVID, and I decided that I'm not going to be sick anymore. And so far, my body has listened about 18 hours out of the day, but uh, I'm just not going to do it anymore. I'm just going to behave like COVID never existed. Well, of course, that's not a possibility, but we just press on. Now, in the last two months, how many people were frightened? thinking this could be it, this could be it. Of course, I'll tell you, I'm more than a little nervous too. I'm glad that Syria and Iran have been held in check. It's not like nobody was planning for this, but as long as they're able to stay in check, I think the situation can be brought under control, and I'm hoping it's done with as few collateral injuries and death as possible. But make no mistake, and I'll say it boldly, Hamas is evil. 
bill. Anybody with me on that? All right. And they were never for protecting the Palestinians from the get-go. Evil, evil, evil. And it has to be dealt with. How many of you are concerned that there could be repercussions in our country? Count on it. Absolutely count on it. Don't be naive. Keep awake. Keep awake. So there we go. We've talked about that. And we know that things are going to be tough. And in fact, many parts of the world, this tough stuff that we fear is what they live with every single day. Now, there will be a time when the current creation, the stars, the sea, the moon, the mountains, all that will be cleared out for new creation. It's kind of like Clarendon Hills 35 years ago when people started to wipe out houses and build these huge things on top. The, under their tax code early on, you had to build the big house over the little house to get the tax advantage and then suck the little house out once the, yeah, now it's, it's much more efficient. You can just knock it down. But in order to put something new up, the old has to go down. And that is what's going to happen. Now, the first coming of Jesus, uh, to us, we celebrate, in, and I really applaud you for a gorgeous, gorgeous uh, crush scene there. Wonderful. Um, but in the next coming, what I call the final coming, I don't use a, the word second coming because it implies that there's going to be a third, fourth, and fifth coming. No. Next time uh, the, the heavens are open and Jesus comes, that's it. History will be brought to an end. The rebellion, sin, will be cast out, and God is going to start something new where there is no more crying, uh, no more pain, no more death, no more sin. That's the old in the new God will walk with us. Indeed, the trumpet will sound, the heavens will be ripped open, and we'll say, my Lord, what a morning on that great getting up morning. The dead in Christ will be raised, judgment will happen, and a new Jerusalem will descend. It's never about beaming up. It's always about joy of heaven to earth come down. It's always God coming to us. So, as we're all concerned about the conditions of the world, and could this be up, I have to tell you something about the rapture. You won't find it in the scripture. It's not in there. Lutherans do not teach the rapture. It is not a biblical concept. Now, we have many friends who believe in the rapture, and we love and adore them, and they're faithful Christians. And I will sit down with anyone who teaches the rapture and say, let's look at the scripture and see. It's only a teaching about 150 years old. Very small segment of Christianity upholds it. Lutherans do not teach it. Roman Catholics, Orthodox, the vast majority of the mainline churches do not teach the rapture. In fact, our friends in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate, man, those people will sue in a second. I love them as a lawyer. I love that they'll sue on behalf of the church. And they win, and they're right. They have declared the teaching of the rapture to be heresy. I mean, that's a big deal. And so don't get caught up in this notion of people beaming out. There is no beaming in the scripture. Only, um, the, only two people that did that, Elijah, or Elijah and I can't remember the other one. But anyway, that's not what we're about. We wait for Jesus to come to us. 
okay? If anybody wants to talk to me about that after the service, come right ahead, all right? We do not teach the rapture. That's not where our hope is found. I would like you to look at where our hope is found, and that is in the book of Revelation. It tells out the story. People go, oh, I can't read the book of Revelation. It's so scary. It is the easiest book to teach and to know in all of the books of the Bible. Why? Because we do the book of Revelation. Most of those symbols on that tree and most of the symbols in churches right out of the book of Revelation. Most of our worship service right out of the book of Revelation. Over half the hymns are direct quotes and another quarter are thematic quotes. A mighty fortress is our God right out of the book of Revelation. Luther wasn't so impressed with the book of Revelation. He was having indigestion when he said that. He was, it was just a bad hair day for him. I tell you, the book of Revelation is so easy, but you have to know how to read it. When you read a mystery novel, anybody like mysteries? What is the most important page to read first? The last page. Come on, control freaks. Read the last page first, and then you can go through the whole book and watch for the details to unfold. You know you're going to read it again once you know the ending, so save yourself some time. Read the ending first. I've read the book of Revelation. I'm going to give you a hint. Lean in closer. I said lean in closer, all right? Our God wins. That's what it's about. Anybody believe our God wins? Absolutely, that's what it's about. Now, when times are tough and the stars begin to fall, we really have two choices. We can turn to God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, or we can find another idol to comfort us as everything we know is washed away. God, who created the heavens and the earth, and an idol who only pretends and make no mistake, idols always demand sacrifice. When I was in law school and we were in sheer panic before an exam, you know, they, they tell you in your first year they scare you to death, and the second year they work you to death, and in the third year they bore you to death. It's true. But in the first year you're terrified, just terrified. And we had a little statement we'd whisper in the next kid's ear, you've got this. I'm going to give you a hint. God's got this. So we can trust and act on God's demands in obedience during tough times, or we can continue in rebellion, grabbing for the most convenient idol around us. I would go with option one. Now, this motion of the, the fig tree, and you know summer's coming, it's like first time you see a crocus, what does everyone do? Takes a picture and puts it on Facebook and says, see, spring is coming. We know spring is coming. There may be some snow up here, but a crocus tells you it's absolutely going to come. And I love, love crocuses. And I love to hear that the snow is almost done. Now, with this notion of end times, the most frequently question, asked question is, when, Lord, when? I've been asked this question as a pastor a lot in the last four years, in the last two months. <coughs> I've been very, very busy. Um, as a pastor, you're a public person, so if I'm out in Lake Zurich or Barrington or Crystal Lake, 
people know I'm a pastor, and they'll come up in the grocery store and usually buy canned goods. They'll say, do you think this is the end times? Could be. I just say IDK. Do you know what IDK means? I don't know. Je ne sais pas. Ich weiß nicht. Or, as my 15-year-old says, uh-huh. Okay, can we all do that noise together when I drop my hand? All together, you're 15, waving the puberty wand, and you've just gone back to 15. You know when it's going to happen? Uh-huh. Isn't that irritating? It just drives me wild. We don't know. And Jesus said that that is the exclusive prerogative of his Father. And so we're just going to let God the Father handle it in God's own time. Not anything we can do to hasten it or stall it. It's up to the Father. <coughs> so we'll just have to wait. As this banner says, wait, wait. We're just going to have to wait. How many enjoy waiting? Not my favorite thing either. If Jesus Christ says, I don't know, don't presume that you're going to know. Because everybody who said, I know exactly when it's going to happen, has been made a fool of. God's got this. We have two choices, obedience or rebellion. And I would say, go with obedience. Now, my daughter that does the uh, Julianne is 15. But when she was two and a half, she had a grand mal seizure on the kitchen floor. Scary? Oh, yeah. When you see your child's eyes roll back in their head and you know what a grand mal seizure is from your chaplaincy training, oh, it was the most frightening five, six minutes ever. The police, the Lake County Sheriff was there in a nanosecond. The Wakanda Fire Department immediate, immediately quick. They were just amazing. And when the rigidity went away, the seizure is still going on. It's just in a different phase. So they put me on the gurney and strapped her down on me and into Good Shepherd we went. Well, they went through everything. And the first question they asked me is, is there any family history? Uh-huh. My, my children are adopted, and they have closed adoptions at their mother's request. I have no idea. So there was no fever. There, with all the CT scans, there was nothing indicating a brain bleed, anything like that. Um, it was, uh, there was no illness. Nothing. They couldn't find anything. So we had to go into the unknown. Well, the seizure finally abated, and the first thing she popped up and said, can we have ice cream, Mommy? Oh, my God. Yeah, so the nurses were throwing ice cream at her. It was, she thought it was great. We had to do a sleep study because she was entered into the children's pediatric program at Lutheran General Children's with Dr. Ekramudin the person for pediatric neurology, and he said, you get to do a sleep study with a two-and-a-half-year-old, which means you keep the child awake three hours past their normal bedtime and wake them up two hours earlier than their normal waking time. Super fun. <laughs> and they put all these electrodes on them, and you get to snuggle up in the study bed with them. And you know what the sleep study revealed? Nothing absolutely no abnormalities. So we went through everything you could possibly go through, everything. And I said, Dr. Ekramudin, what do I do next? And he said, well, it could happen tomorrow. It may never happen again. 
That's a big window, isn't it? And so I said, what do I do as I wait? What do I do in the meantime? He said, do what you're supposed to do. Be a good mother. Make sure she has whole fat dairy products and have a structured sleep time and no contact sports. Call me every third year and we'll do more sleep, uh, sleep studies and brain scans and all that. Just do what you're supposed to do while you wait. Dr. Eckermuden gave me what we're supposed to do as we wait. We're supposed to act in obedience <coughs> and demonstrate the love of God in Christ Jesus. When the end times come, there's going to be a whole lot of ugly, whole lot of ugly going down with it. People will be frightened, and rarely does that bring out their best behavior. In those ridiculous books about uh, Left Behind or whatever they were, it's all about Rambo, be a Christian Rambo. No, do what you're supposed to do. God's got this. God's got this. In fact, we need to dial up our obedience to God during that time, for that will win more people to the good news of Jesus Christ. Oops, my goodness. Well, that's not the end time. I want to know. Um, it'll do more to win people than running around like Rambo. All right? So we do what we're supposed to do while we wait. Be awake. Be alert. Know the signs, but know that it's in God's hands. And soon and very soon, which means assuredly and assuredly, that great getting up morning will come. Until then, while we wait, do what we're supposed to do. Now, there's another issue before us in which the time is very short. And the clues are everywhere, even in this church. Friends, there's only 21 shopping days till Christmas Eve, all right? Now, I am going to solve your shopping problems. Every year, my maternal grandfather would walk into Carson Perry Scott, oh, I miss that store, and he would walk up to the jewelry counter, put down his credit card, and he said one thing to the gal waiting on him, make me look good. I'm going to go get some coffee, and by the time he got back, it was all wrapped and ready to go. Make me look good. That was all the effort he put into it. And the gal always made him look really, really good. Gentlemen, I'm going to make you look so good. I will take you to the store or I'll take you on the computer. Get your beloved a good working Bible. And get a good working Bible for yourself. Now, all Bibles are going to have 39 books in the Old Testament and 27 in the New, all right? So they're all going to have the basic text on there. But it's like when you buy a car. All, all cars are going to have a chassis, a drivetrain, wheels, and brakes, right? Those, all cars have that. But then there are features that you can put on that basic stuff. What is the most important feature for me on a car. The makeup mirror. Wake up, people. The wake up mirror. The princess pastor wants a good makeup mirror. So, Manuel, who sells me my cars up at um, Markport and Barrington, if he sees a good deal on the lot, will say, Pastor, I have a good makeup mirror for you here, and it comes with X number of horsepower and all the other features you can put on there. For me, it's about the makeup mirror. All Bibles are going to have that basic stuff on it, but if you want a good 
working Bible, and I expect you to work it, work it, wear it out every five years. I want you to get one that has a font that's comfortable for you to read. How many of you have Bibles that are really teeny tiny and you have to make a lot of effort? You wouldn't buy that if it was a mystery novel, so get a good working Bible for yourself. And if you use an online model, you can adjust the font however you want to. The stuff that's available online is fabulous now if that's the way you prefer to work. Now, how many of you have a, uh, Jesus' words written in red? My father was a printer for R.R. Donnelly, and he um, worked all the I mean, big, big stuff. But he's the one who said, if we print anything in red, it's very difficult for people to read red. Very difficult. You can, smart people, you can figure out if Jesus are talking or not. Don't get something that has that. It's not helpful for you to read. It's not comfortable for the eye. Is the print dark enough? Is there enough margin for you to write notes? And people say, oh, write in my Bible? Yeah, it's a working Bible. Can you use a highlighter that doesn't bleed through? You can get non-bleed ones. I want you to be really working that text. Now, grandparents, what is the worst thing that could happen if your grandchildren see you on a regular uh, uh, schedule in a disciplined study of God's holy word? I mean, worst case scenario. There is no downside to that. They're going to be saying, aha, this is what we are supposed to do. And you can do that with a good working Bible. I want maps on there, outlines, and you have to be careful because if you get too many tools on there, the Bible's like this. But you can also get helping things. Do we have a library in this church? All right. Guess what? You already own a lot of this stuff, but if you write in it, make sure it's your own. Now, remember, any other um, thing that you buy for your beloved is going to wear out or get lost. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord goes on forever. Give the one you love something that lasts forever, and I'll tell you what else. You can have a date night studying the scripture and reading together. Geeky? Absolutely. What if your kids see you doing that? I have good news. They already think you're geeky. So go ahead and live that out and study with your kids. That is where we find out what we are supposed to do and how this new creation thing all works out. Be prepared for the ugly that's coming and be prepared to be a fine and faithful, faithful servant of the Lord Jesus Christ in all we do and say. Prepared by your study and knowledge of God's holy word. Doable? We got it. Now may the peace of God that passes all human understanding keep our hearts and minds in scary and peaceful times in Jesus Christ our Lord, for our God wins. Amen.